speech would be able to be uh, communicated correctly, Lord, and communicated um, just directly, and that I honestly believe that every single person in this room could benefit from what's going to be taught tonight. I pray you'd help them to be attentive, help them not to be thinking about other things, Lord, and just to focus on your word. Help my mind, Lord, to be clear and to be able to preach your uh, word the way you'd like it to be preached tonight. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Exodus chapter number 18. And in Exodus we find... uh, uh, character in the Bible named Jethro. And you say, who, who's Jethro? We're, we're not talking about the, Bebe, the Beverly Hillbillies, you know. That's what people usually think of, and that was way before my time. You ought to be impressed that I even know that. But, um, uh, but I, I've heard people talk about that before. But if you look at verse number 1 there, the Bible says, when Jethro the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law. This man Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. We were first introduced to Jethro in Exodus chapter number 3, and I'm not going to take the time to go back there, but in Genesis chapter 3 is when we met uh, Jethro, and Jethro is simply uh, Moses' father-in-law, but he's also the priest of Midian. Uh, and, and that's very important to understand. Uh, he's the priest of Midian, which means uh, of the nation of Midian or of those people, he has a leadership role in that, in that society there. And Jethro brings back Moses' family. Now, if you've been with us as we've been studying the book of Exodus, you remember there was a big argument and fight between Moses and his wife when he wanted to go back to Egypt and he wanted to circumcise his sons and all of that, but they ended up going back with him to Egypt. Well, at some point, the Bible doesn't make it clear to us, but at some point, Moses sent his family back to Midian. Uh, I don't know if it was maybe, uh, it might have been during those dangerous times in Egypt when they were threatening his life. He thought, you know, maybe it would be better to get my family out of here and, and, and took them back to his father Or maybe his wife and kids just went back on a vacation or something just to see family. But Jethro is now coming back back, if you look at verse number 1 of chapter 18, it says, when Jethro the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, you know, I would imagine Jethro is very excited to hear the things that have happened, because if you remember, when God first called Moses, Moses said to his father-in-law, because Moses was working for his father-in-law. If you remember in chapter 3, it says that he watched the flock of Jethro uh, in the backside of the desert. And when Moses left, he, he went to his father-in-law and he said, I, I want to go see if, uh, if, the, if my uh, family, if my relatives, if my uh, people, if they're still alive. And, and he told him about what God had told him. So Jethro knew what Moses was going to go do uh, in Egypt. And I don't know what he thought of it, but he was very happy to hear that things had worked out well. And it says there in verse 2, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, that's Moses' wife, uh, and it says Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, so he sent her back at some point, and her two sons, Moses had two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land, and the name of the other, Eliezer, for the God of my father said he was mine help and delivered me from the uh, sword of Pharaoh. And we get to know a little bit there of uh, Moses and his family. Look at verse 5. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, 
came with his sons and his wife unto Moses, unto the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I thy father-in-law, Jethro, am come unto thee, and thy wife and her sons are with thee. Look at verse 7. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, and did obeisance, and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. Now here's what I want you to understand about Jethro, because there's a little bit bit of controversy based on, on this chapter here, and some people uh, believe, and I, I, you know, I'm not going to argue with anybody or fight with anybody because uh, sometimes stories in the Bible are, are kind of left up to interpretation. There are clear statements in the Bible that should not, you know, that's, that's not something we should interpret. You know, obviously when God says something, that's it. But sometimes stories can be looked at in different ways, and, and I've heard uh, a few people say that Jethro was, was uh, wrong in chapter 18 and that, that uh, because he gives Moses some advice, and and, I'll, and we'll go through that and I'll explain some of that. But I want you to understand that I believe Jethro was a good guy. In verse 7 it says, And when Moses went out and met his father-in-law, and, they, and did obeisance, and kissed him, and they asked each other their welfare, and they came into the tent, and Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. Look at verse 9. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who had delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who had delivered the people from under his hand out of Egypt. Now, notice what he says in verse 11, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in that in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. So notice, Jethro is, he loves God. You know, he's saying, well, he's like, man, after you told He's like, man, now I know that God that God is the God, you know, and, and he, he loves God and he seems to have a great relationship with Moses there. They, they embraced each other and they kissed each other and they, they, they were catching up on, on things that had happened. And, and, and uh, you know, I personally believe Jethro was a good guy and I believe he was a man that, that loved God. Look at verse 12. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, look what it says, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. Okay? So he's giving offerings and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. I actually believe that Jethro was one of those, you know, elder men, older men, that was respected probably very much so by Moses and the children of Israel. The type of man who just, he he walked in and you can tell there, he he does a burnt sacrifice and and Aaron, who was, uh, you know, uh, one of the leaders there, Moses, who's obviously the leader there, and all the elders of Israel, they come together just to have dinner with this man, just to conversate with this man, just to talk to this man. So obviously he's a great man of God. Uh, And we're going to get into the advice that he gave Moses, but I want to show you one more verse. Look at verse, just skip over to verse 23. It says, if thou shalt do this thing, and notice, this is Jethro, and Jethro's giving Moses advice. And when he gives Moses advice, he says, if thou shalt do this thing. So he said, if, if you do what, I'm, what I told you to do, notice what he says though, and God command thee so. So notice, he's not telling Moses to do anything wrong. He says, look, here's the advice I'm giving you. If God, you know, you pray about it, and you think about it, and if God commands the same thing, then do it. You see what I'm saying? He's not saying, you know, just do this, and, 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 and it doesn't matter whatever you know, I think you should do. He's like, look, here's the advice. Let me give you some advice. 
You pray about it. If, if God agrees with that, then praise the Lord. I, that's what I think you ought to do. So I think, I think Jethro was a good man. I think he, he loved God. I think he loved Moses. And, and, I, and, I, and here's what you got to understand. Jethro was a leader. He was the priest of, the, of Midian. And, and he had some advice to give Moses. You say, what, what advice did he have to give Moses? He had advice to give Moses on the, uh, on the subject of leadership. Now let me tell you something. Every single person in this room, from the oldest to the youngest, is a leader. You say, you say, well, I, I, I'm not a leader. I mean, I, I'm not a pastor. Or I'm not the manager at my at my uh, uh, work, or I'm not, the, or I'm not that. Let me tell you something. Everybody has somebody that's watching you. You say, well, I'm just a guy. I just come to church. Let me tell you something. Somebody is watching you. Somebody is looking up to you. You say, well, nobody looks up to me. You may not know it, but people are watching you. People, even little children, let me tell you something. You say, well, I'm only, I'm only eight years old. I'm only nine years old. I'm only ten years old. My four-year-olds are looking up to you, and you're a leader to them whether you like it or not. And we all need to learn some lessons in leadership. And let me tell you something. Every mother, every father, every employer, everybody in the ministry ought to learn these lessons of leadership that Jethro uh, taught Moses. And uh, look at verse number 13. Well, verse 12, it says, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. That was uh, the first day there. Look at verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow, so the next day, that Moses sat to judge the people. That's a good thing. And the people stood by Moses from, notice what it says, the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? You say, what's going on? Moses literally would get up every day, and he would judge the people. What that means is they would come and ask him questions, and he would tell them, you know, at this time they did not have the written word of God. Obviously Moses was the first man to pen down the first five books of the Bible. If you remember, we studied uh, the timeline of the, of the Bible, and we talked about how Moses uh, penned the, the Pentateuch, or the law, the first five books of the Bible. So this time they didn't have the, uh, the Word of God written, but Moses had the Word of God because he had access to God, and not only that, but he knew what God wanted him to do, and these people, they would come to Moses, because remember, what are, what are we learning about, why, why are we studying the children of Israel in Egypt? Because they're the church in the wilderness. In the same way that these people would come to their leader and say, what does God say about this? The church today ought to come to the pastor or whatever, and, and, and we teach God's word. Not what Moses thought, but he would judge them based on what God said. And, but here's what they were doing. They would come every, all day long. From the morning, the Bible says, to the evening, they just make a line. And they just walk up and they say to Moses, in whatever situation, you know, I, I got this going on. What should I do in this situation? And you say, well, God wants you to do this. They say, okay. And then the next person would come. Uh, um, I've got these issues with my husband. What should I do? Kill him. Okay, great. You know, oh, I've got to do this with my, my, my children are giving me attitude. What should I do? Kill him. Okay, great. No, that, that's his response every time. No. But he would, you know, he, they would ask him questions. I, I've got this business decision. Or I've got to make this. I'm praying about this. Whatever. And they would come and ask him all these questions. And Jethro is just sitting back and watching this thing. And he says to Moses, he says, what are you doing? He says, he says you're, you're, these people are just coming to you all day long, just asking you questions. And could you imagine how many repeat questions? 
They're just all asking. You know? And notice verse 15, And Moses said unto his father-in-law, He says, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. He says, they're, they're, not, they're not asking me what I think. They want to know what God says about certain situations. He says, that, and I'm the one, I'm the leader here. I'm the pastor of this church in the wilderness. So I spent all day just explaining to them what it is that God wants for their life. Look at verse 16. When they have a matter, they come unto me. This is Moses talking to Jethro. And I judge between one and another. And I do make them know. Notice what he said. I make them know the statutes of God and His laws. So, so they come and they say, what should I do in this situation? And he judges and he says, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. And here's what God wants you to do. Look at verse 17. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. See, the first lesson we learn from leadership from Jethro here is that there is only so much that one person can accomplish. Look at verse 18. He said, he, in verse 17 he said, The thing that thou doest is not good. Verse 18 he says, Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for the thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. He says, Look, Moses, this is way too much work for you to do by yourself. I mean, do you understand that the children of Israel, we're talking about a group of millions of people. And he said, These people are coming to you every day. Asking you question after question after question. He says, look, you're going to wear away. He said, there's only so much that an individual can accomplish. There's only so much that a person can do. And the first lesson in leadership is this. There's only so much you can do. You've got to understand that. We all have our limits. You know, obviously we understand that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Obviously we understand that with God all things, you know, nothing is impossible. We get that. But in a human sense, in a physical sense, there's only so much you can do. And if you're going to be the type of leader that's going to accomplish something and do something great for God, you're going to have to realize that you are limited by time, by strength, by talents... And you've got to understand that you cannot accomplish things on your own. He says, look, you're going to wear away. He says, last part of verse 18, Thou art not able to perform it thyself. Say, well, what do I, what, he, what do, I do? Moses says, you know, what, I'm sure he's sitting there and says, well, what, what am I supposed to do? These people, need, they, they need help. Look at verse 19. Jethro says, hearken now unto my voice. He said, look, let me give you some advice. He said, I will give thee counsel. And notice... And God shall be with thee. He's not, he's not trying to tell him to do something wrong. He says, Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And, verse 20, notice what he says, Thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shall show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. See, he says... Moses, the first thing you're going to have to do, because look, the, the work you've got is, is too much. You're going to wear away. You're going to die early. I mean, this is not going to work, Moses. This is very inefficient. He says, well, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to start teaching these people the Bible. Look, listen to me. You, you think I'm joking, but I've literally had pastors say to me, they say to me this, they say, they'll say, and not just one or two, I mean, many pastors in our society today believe, they'll, they'll say things like this, you don't want to teach your people too much. And, and, and literally, here's why they'll say it. They'll say, you don't want to teach your people too much because you always want to have, and I know this sounds horrible, you always want to have something over them. 
You always want to be able to have something that, you know, as a pastor, you got to be able to know more than them. And, and my, my response to that is, I'm going to teach you everything I know. And you say, well, well what are you going to do? I'll just learn more. <laughs> I'll just read more Bible. And I'll just study more. And I'll just look at more. I'll just listen to more preaching. And I'll just learn. You know, of course, as a pastor, I've got to have something to teach you. But that doesn't mean that I've got this limited amount. I mean, could you, could you imagine, at 26 years old, all the information I've got, that's what I'm going to live it to my ministry. <laughs> Good night. You know, but today people have, pastors have this mentality where it's like, well, only teach them very little, keep the people very little, so that way they need you. And, 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 this, is, and this is what Jethro is saying to Moses. Jethro saying to Moses, it's not good that you're the only man in the whole nation here that knows God's work. He said, all these people are going to come ask you all these questions about the Bible? He says, why don't you just teach them the Bible? Notice what he says. Look at verse, verse 20. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shall show them the way when they must walk and the work that they must do. You know, and, and by the way, that's why you get the three verses, 20 minute sermons at every church in America. You know, mostly. Because the pastor doesn't want to teach you much. And when the pastor already doesn't know much and he's limiting that, I mean, you're really, you know, on a skippy diet when it comes to the Bible. You, you know, at Verity Baptist Church, we just lay it out there. We give you a lot of Bible. We go to a lot of verses. We just teach you a lot. You say, why? Because I want you to leave me alone. That's why. <laughs> no, but you know what? Let me, be, let me be very honest with you. And, and, and one of you, or you know, you may think I'm picking on you. I, I'm not picking on you because I, I can point out four or five different people sitting here right now that this happened to. But let me tell you something. There are so... And, and, well, let me say this, first of all. First of all, let me say this, because a lot of you are not, did not grow up an independent fundamental Baptist. I grew up an independent fundamental Baptist. Let me tell you what's a very popular thing in the fundamental movement and all the other movements is this, okay? All this counseling. Literally, there are church, I can tell you of churches with thousands of people where the pastor will spend all Wednesday night, like from the time the service ends at 8.15 or whatever, till like 1 in the morning, all Wednesday night and all Sunday night, Doing this. I mean, literally, there are churches, independent, final messages, well, after the service, the pastor goes to his office, and literally, I've seen it with my own eyes, there will be a line of 50 people waiting to ask the pastor a, a question. What should I do in this situation? What should I do in that situation? And see, the issue with that, and look, let me tell you something. If, if you ever have a question about the Bible, ask me. I'm not saying don't ask me, but if, if people are just constantly asking me questions about the Bible, the same question over and over and over, there's an issue there. We're not teaching you the Word of God. you understand that? You know, if, if you do a good job at teaching God's Word, then people don't have to sit there and ask you a thousand questions because they know. Because people are learning the Bible. People are reading the Bible. And Jethro was telling Moses there, he said, you, gotta, he said, you, you can't just sit there and ask me. You've got to teach them God's Word. You've got to teach them enough to be able to go to the Bible and mature, and, and mature in themselves to be able to understand what it is that God wants them to do. And I'm not against you know, counseling people and helping people. I'm not against that at all. But look, let me tell you something. You know, people, people often say to me, oh, you, you, we, we, what, what I would like to do is a, a, a discipleship course. And I'm not, look, I'm not against discipleship courses. But today, people want a discipleship course where they want, like, the pastor to go to their house, like, once a week, you know, the same night every week, and just, like, teach them the Bible. Could you imagine if I did that? And, and there are churches that do that. Could you imagine if I spent my life doing that? 
I mean, Tuesday night, I went to so-and-so's house and taught them the Bible. Wednesday night, I went to so-and-so's house and taught them the Bible. Thursday night, I went out to so-and-so's house and taught them the Bible. Friday night, I went to so-and-so, and I'm discipling them. Look, I've got a better idea. In fact, I didn't have the idea. God had the idea. Why don't we just all come together, and we'll just teach you the Bible all together. It's called Wednesday night church. It's called Sunday morning. It's called Sunday night. People say, I, I want a discipleship course. We've got a discipleship course. It's called Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We disciple. And we do it all together, and we teach God's Word. Why? Because I don't have the time and or the patience to deal with 25 different people all asking me the same question. And it's not scriptural because that means you don't understand the Bible. Well, I teach you God's Word. Leaders teach. Leaders train. Go with me real quickly. Keep your finger there in Exodus 18. Go with me to Matthew chapter 28. You've got to understand that the primary thrust of what our mission, the primary thrust of our gospel is this word, Teach. Matthew chapter number 28, first book of the New Testament, last chapter of the first book. Very famous verses, verse 19. Actually, let's begin reading in verse 18. Here we have the Great Commission. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, notice what he says, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You say, what, what is church about? Here's what church is about. Teaching, educating, training. That's what God has commanded us to do, to teach you God's Word. And by the way, you can go back to Exodus 18. If you're a manager, your job would be a lot easier if you taught your employees. That. You, you ever, who's ever worked for a micromanager? I cannot stand micromanagers. And yes, I am a micromanager. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, sometimes people have this idea that, and I understand why they do it. And, and look, let me be very honest with you. You know why your boss doesn't want to let you do the, the work? You know what I'm saying? He always wants it. You know why? Because he can't trust you to do it right. That's the issue. <laughs> you know, he just wants it done right. But you, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. How, how you ought to be as a, as a follower. But, but let me tell you something. You've got to learn to teach people. As a parent, look, that's what the job of a... The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he should not depart from it. Don't just, you know, do your time, do your 18 years. You ought to be training and teaching and instructing. And life ought to be getting uh, easier and better every day. Why? Because you're teaching your kids. Look, let me tell you something. My, my children are two and four and, th- you know, four weeks old. And every day, except for the four-week-old, we are trying to teach them and train them. And we're, Look, I'm not trying to dress my four-year-old. Do you understand that? You know, I, I, I'll dress... My wife will dress the month old. The four-year-old needs to learn how to dress himself. Amen. And eventually he'll learn how to brush his own teeth once he you know, figures out how to maneuver that. And eventually, you know, every day we're trying to get them to be more independent. And how do you do that? By training them. By giving them that. But today, here's what parents do. They just spoil their kids. They do all the work. They don't expect anything out of them. They just give them money and give them all this freedom and give them all this liberty. And look, I'm all for giving people freedom and liberty. I'm all for giving teenagers liberty. And we'll talk about this when they show themselves faithful. But they never. But so often that people never get the opportunity to be found faithful because they're not being trained. You'll be a better manager at work. 
You'll be a better pastor. You'll be a better mom. You'll be a better dad. You'll be a better leader. If you learn that your job as a leader is not to just... Don't... You know, you ever work for somebody where you just feel like they're not giving you... They're not giving you all the training because they don't want you... Because once you know and all, then, then they, they feel like they're no longer needed. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all not have that attitude. Look, I, I don't feel like... I want you to know everything I know. I want you to be able to win souls like I do. I want you to be able to do what I do so that we can get more done. I said, number one, there's only so much that one person can accomplish. Number two, good leaders teach and train. He said, hearken now, verse 19, unto my voice, I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, and thou mayest bring the cause unto God, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shall show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Look at verse 21, though. He says, moreover, he says, now hold on a second, you're going to teach these people, you're going to train them, you're going to show them the Bible. And uh, let me say this, too. This is what I was getting at, but I got on a tangent. If I had a nickel for every... You say, you, you say well, when do we do discipleship? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And, and it's so it's funny to me. I, I think God does it on, on purpose. I honestly do. I, I believe God does it on purpose, and He's just trying to teach me a lesson, which is fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But it's so often when someone will miss church... That like, within the next couple weeks, they'll ask me a question that was like, totally answered at the service they missed. And I just always think to myself, man, if you would have missed discipleship time, you would have got that. See, the reason Moses had all these people asking him questions, could you imagine how many questions were the same question? There's only so many issues people have, you know what I mean? I mean, I can only imagine, like, half the questions were probably, should I get divorced? My wife, or my, you know, everybody has the same issues. If it's not financial issues, it's health issues. If it's not health issues, it's relationship issues. If it's not relationship issues, it's, you know, whatever. It's all the same thing. And these thousands of people are just asking Moses the same question every day, every day, every day. Where if he just taught them God's word, but hey, they have to be there to hear it too. I said, number one, there's only one, only so much that a person can accomplish. Number two, God's uh, good leaders teach and train. Number three, good leaders seek out faithful followers. Look at verse 21. He says, he says, teach the people, moreover, he says, hold on a second though. He said, thou shalt provide out of all the people, notice what he says, able men. He says, you're going to teach everybody God's word. But as you're teaching people God's word, he said, I want you to find able men. That word able means that they have the ability to. That they, are, uh, they have the aptitude and the ability to be able to lead. Notice what he says. He says, I want you to find able men. Not only, not only able men, though. He says, such as fear God. So they've got to fear God. Men of truth. They've got to be honest. Hating covetousness. And, 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 and he says, and place such over them to be rulers, notice what he says, of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of death. So he said, first of all, Moses, the first thing you got to do is teach the people God's word. So that they can just answer a lot of their own questions. But then after that, once you've taught them God's word, then you've got to find men and people who have the ability to lead, and they've got to love God, and they've got to, you know, not hate covetousness, they've got to be godly people. But, but I want you to notice on this word, able men. And go with me just real quickly to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. 2 Timothy, chapter number 2 in your New Testament. 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. Is anybody hot? 
I'm hot. Can we turn that air conditioner on? Is it on? You're not working? I'm going to have to get an HVAC guy out here. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And just put your bulletin or something there in 2 Timothy because we're going to leave it and we're going to come right back to it. He says, find able men. Now here's the first, let me tell you something. The number one thing people look for, the number one thing employers look for, teenagers, the number one thing mom and dad look for, the number one thing pastors look for when they're looking for leaders, when they're looking for people they can trust, is this word, faithfulness. And, and, and that's kind of a, you know, that, a lot of people can make that sound real spiritual. So let me give you a synonym for that word. Consistency. Someone you can count on. Look at verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 2, the Bible says, And the things, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, he's teaching Timothy, this young preacher, and he says, look, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, he says, the, he says you know all the things you've heard of me, Timothy? Paul is saying, and Timothy's thinking, yeah, what have I heard about Paul? He's a great preacher. What have I heard about, about Paul? He's been real faithful to God's word. He hasn't compromised. He's been at it for a long time. He says, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, what he says, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be, notice this word, able to teach others also. He said, I want you to find able men, just like Jethro told Moses, find able men. He said, I want you to find men who are going to be able to teach other also. But let me tell you something, the way you find faithful men, or able men, is by finding men who meet this qualification, faithful men. Do you want to know what the number one complaint, you can keep your finger there in 2 Timothy, go back to Exodus 18. you want to know what the number one complaint by employers in the United States of America is today? They simply cannot get employees to show up. Just to show up to work. Just consistency. Faithfulness. And look, let me tell you something. When you're looking to promote someone, or you're looking to make someone a leader, or you're looking to have someone help you, something, you know what the number one thing, I'll, I'll tell you, me personally as, pastor, as, as a pastor, I, I'm looking for someone who's going to be consistent. Because there's nothing worse than trusting someone to do a job and then having them not do that job. You know what I'm talking about? And obviously we're all going to fail at some point. But if, if someone could teach me how to teach character, I'd really appreciate it. Because I haven't really figured it out. I don't, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't even know that it can be taught. This idea of character. This idea. I, honestly, I don't know that it can be taught. I, I, I almost am to the point where I think that either your parents taught you it from a young age, and if they didn't, then, then it's almost going to take just an act of God to get people to develop this idea of character. And because because I've noticed in life, there are just certain people who are just going to show up, who are just going to be on time, who are just going to be there, who are just going to do what they're going to do. They're just going to, you know, this is at work, at church, at, at, you know, sports, anywhere. There's just there's certain people who are just, you can count on them. I mean, I mean, there are people I used to work with that I didn't even have to, you know, if I needed something and someone's asking me, you know, do you think so-and-so could do that? I didn't even have to make a phone call. I just knew, yeah, so-and-so, he's there. Go, go ahead. And those other people, I'm like, look, you're taking your chances. <laughs> I don't really know. And, and it just seems like there are some people who are just going to be consistent. And some people who are not. And, and I, don't, I haven't figured out how to... I, I mean, if I could get it in, 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 uh, in like, you know, injection form and inject people with it, I would. <laughs> but this idea of faithfulness. 
consistency, character. I mean, have you ever known someone who you just know, like, if they tell you, I'm going to be there, you know they're going to be there. You know they're going to be there, and they're going to be there 15 minutes early. I mean, I know people like that. I know people, and, and then you know, and then I know other people who, if they tell me I'm going to be there, I know they're going to be there 15 minutes late. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know I got some family members like that too. <laughs> well, I, they're so consistent at not showing up that I just know they're, not, you know, I just don't plan on them even being there, type thing. But but let me tell you something. God God is looking for faithful people. God is looking for consistent people. God is looking for people who are going to stay at it for the long run. Who are going to look? I'm not trying to pastor Verity Baptist Church for a year and a half. I'm trying to pastor Verity Baptist Church for like 50 years and a half. And we've got to understand this idea of character and consistency and faithfulness. If you're going to be the type of person you say, I- "I'd like to be promoted at my job," you say, "Hey, teenagers," you say, "I'd like." I- I sh- it sure would be nice if my parents would trust me more. Maybe if you found yourself trustworthy more, they would trust you more. Maybe if your boss found you trustworthy more, they would trust you more. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's this idea of faithfulness, character, ability. Good leaders teach and train. Good leaders seek out faithfulness. You've got to develop it. And look, if you haven't developed it in your life, and we're all working on it, but you've got to develop faithfulness. You just have to. If you're going to do something in your Christian life, if you're going to, look, if you say, I want to be a soul winner, you're going to be a a worthless soul winner if you're just hit and miss, you know, I went this week. And and look, I understand things happen. and Look, I get that. But there's got to be things in our life. You're not going to be the type of Christian you need to be if you're just hit and miss with your Bible reading, if you're hit and miss with your prayer life, if you're hit and miss with your church attendance, if you're hit and miss with... You know, that's just not going to work. Those who do things and accomplish things for God are those people who are always faithful, who are always consistent. I used to go to a church. I promise you, I am not lying to you. You can ask my wife. I used to go to a church where I constantly ask myself this question, I wonder if the pastor is going to show up today. And let me tell you something, that is a sad statement. That's a sad statement. I mean, could you imagine, but, but see, you said, you said, well, you can, pastor, you got the church, I, I know pastors who miss church all the time. Could you imagine if I, if, if my level of commitment to Verity Baptist Church was the same as your level of commitment to Verity Baptist Church? See, you guys, you see, Nobody knows, you know, you say, well, nobody knows when I'm gone, but you notice that I was gone. And can you imagine if you all showed up for church on Wednesday night? I mean, you came home, you took a shower, some of you, <laughs> you got dressed, you, you know, made a quick meal, you drove all the way out to very bad. Could you imagine if you showed up tonight, and, and it's just like, where's Pastor? And I'm like, I don't know. And then, like, a few days later, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just had a headache. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you, you, wouldn't you be upset? I'd be upset. Trust me, I was upset when that happened. <laughs> But, you know, oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I missed church on Sunday morning. I'm just, you know. You say, well, I don't accept that. Well, see, here's what I think. One of the qualifications of being a pastor is being faithful. Say, Pastor, are you ever going to try, are you going to uh, ordain men to go out? I'm not going to ordain people to go out in the ministry that don't show themselves consistent and faithful. Because if you're not going to be consistent and faithful to church when you have no responsibility, then you're probably not going to do it when you have a lot of responsibility. It's like people who, they're not good with finances when they have no money. Why would God give them a lot of money so they could just waste that away? <laughs> well, I wish God would trust me with, my, with more money. Maybe you found yourself faithful with money. You see what I'm saying? This applies in all areas of life. 
This idea of consistency and faithfulness, and, and I wish I could teach, I, I, you know, I, I talk about it, and I preach about it, and I show you verses about it. I don't know how to develop that in people. You're just, it, it's just human beings are going to have to decide in their heads that I'm going to have character, and I'm going to have integrity, and I'm going to be the type of person that when I'm missing, people are worried that I'm dead. You know, that's just a choice you got to make. That's just the type of person you got to be. If you, but Paul said, find faithful people. I said number one, there is only so much that one person can do. Number two, good leaders teach and train. Number three, good leaders seek out faithfulness. You seek out consistency. You seek out people you can trust. Number four, good leaders delegate. Look at verse twenty-two. And. Let them judge the people. He says, look, teach them God's word. Find able men. And he says, let them judge the people. At all seasons. And it shall be, he says, look Moses, that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. He says, look Moses, find people who are consistent, who are faithful, who who you can trust, and let them carry some of that load. Let them do that work. He says, look, and in this situation, he says, look, let them judge the people. He said, first of all, if you just teach them God's word, a lot of those questions are going to be erased because they're going to know the Bible and they're going to be able to deal with that themselves. But secondly, you know, a lot of those questions are, are minor questions. You can get some good men to help you and they'll just help you with that. He says, he says look, if it's a big question, nobody can answer it, then yeah, come to Moses. But you don't have to come to Moses every time. Just go to so-and-so. He says, find men that you can trust. And let me tell you something. Notice what he says. Look at the last part of verse um, 22. So shall it be easier for thyself. Notice what he says. And they shall bear the burden with thee. That's leadership. Look, I'm telling you, I'm preaching at myself. I struggle with this idea of delegation. You know, I I didn't start delegating things until I... I, And and I'm still not that great of it. I mean, our church, as it grows, I'll have to delegate more and more. But you know, there was a time when we started. Obviously, we didn't have a lot of people that we could count on and stuff like that. We didn't have a lot of people that took ownership of the church. But there was a time when, when my wife and I, I mean, we if it was going to get done, it was going to get done, you know, because we did. I mean, we gave all the rights. We made everything. We got the donuts. We, you know, now today we've, we have people that we can uh, count on to give rides and do this and do that or whatever. Praise the Lord for it. But let me tell you something. And here's what you got to understand, okay? He says, good leaders delegate. Go, you keep, did you keep your finger there in 2 Timothy? I told you to keep it there. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, look at verse number 2. And the thing that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able, notice what it says, to teach others also. He says, find able men to teach others also. Go back to Exodus 18. You've got to understand this. I'm almost out of time, but I, but I, I, you, I want you to get this. Good leaders delegate. And let me tell you something. Did you notice how he said, uh, go back, uh, go, go to, to verse 21. Notice this. He says, Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them, look what he says, to be rulers of, notice what he says, some of them are going to be rulers of thousands. Some of them are going to be rulers of hundreds. Some of them are going to be rulers of fifties, and some of them are going to be rulers of tens. Here's, this goes back to point number one. There's only so much an individual can do. I often think of this myself. You know, our church right now, you know, every independent Roman Baptist church, Wednesday night is the lowest attendance. Just because you've got to really be sold out to be a Wednesday night. You know, Sunday morning, 
church is usually the highest attendance because you've got all your Sunday morning onlys. You know, everybody who's just they their church on Sunday morning, they check it off and praise God for those people. I love those people. I'm trying to get those people to come to church on Sunday night <laughs> and then on Wednesday night. You know, but but obviously, you know, that's kind of how that goes. But you know. He says there, he, but, but I often think of this, you know, our church right now, uh, on Sunday mornings, we're averaging around 30 people, okay? He said that there's going to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. Now, I often think to myself, you know, what if, what if God has only given me the ability to be able to lead 30 people? Then what? Then I'm done. I can't handle anymore, right? Now, I'm not saying that that's all God has given me. But, but what if that's the number? 30. Or what if the number is 50? God has given me the ability, I can handle 50 people. Then guess what? While I'm leading 50 people, I, I'm at my limit. There's no more I can do. Right? You say, well, how do you overcome that? Here's how you overcome that. If I lead 50 people, then I can only lead 50 people. But if I lead 50 leaders, then we can lead a lot more. Do you understand that? See, Moses did not have the ability to lead millions of people. He was weighing away. But he did have the ability to lead, you know, however many hundred, seventy, or whatever it was, leaders. And some of those leaders could lead ten. Some of those leaders could lead fifty. Some of those leaders could lead a thousand. You understand what I'm saying? You accomplish more. See, at our church, when we start, you know, uh, we're trying to lead followers. But what we're trying to do when we teach sermons like this, when we teach the Bible like we do, when we take you soul winning, when we do the soul winning training, when we give you a lot of Bible reading, when we have you read nine chapters a day in the New Testament, when we do all this, we're trying to mature you. Why? Because I know that I cannot lead a lot of people. I'm going to wear away. But if I could lead leaders and have leaders help lead others, then we can accomplish something. You know how big families? I'm talking about families that have 12, 16 children in them. You know how, how those moms say, how does a mom accomplish that? They, almost every single family I know, and I know quite a few of them, that have a lot of children. You know how they do it? They teach the older kids to care for the younger kids. See, what you're doing is you're developing leaders. And when you develop leaders, then you can handle more. Say, Pastor, are we only going to have 50 people in our church? I hope not. If you'll step up. If you'll help. Because those are what he says. Look at the last part of verse 22. And they shall bear the burden with thee. Notice how everything in the Bible, everything goes, because what were we looking at last week in Exodus? Moses had to raise his hand, and who was helping him keep his hands up? Her and Aaron, right? As Josh was fighting that battle. See, the purpose of Verity Baptist Church is not for me to lead you. It's for me to help you become a leader so you can help lead the people we're going to reach. To develop those people. But look, let me tell you something. We will never, we will never do more than what we're doing right now if we don't develop able, faithful, consistent people. Because you know what it's going to take for you to lead someone else? The same thing you expect from me. Did you expect Pastor Jimenez to be here on Wednesday night? Well, guess what? Whoever you're going to lead in the future is going to expect you to be here on Wednesday night. Well, I'm just kind of hit and miss, you know. Well, then we're not going to be able to do it. We need able, faithful. I said, number one, there's only so much that one person can accomplish. Number two, good leaders teach and train. Number three, good leaders seek out faithfulness. Number four, good leaders delegate. Number five, 
Good leaders are always open to growth. Notice what it says, verse 23. Jethro says, If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law. Notice, that word hearken there means he listened to him. He, he, took, he took that advice. It says, Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens, and they judged the people at all seasons. The hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves and Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went his way into his own land. Let me tell you something. You study the Bible and and I don't I I do not believe that you will find a greater leader, a more revered leader in scripture aside from obviously the Lord Jesus Christ than Moses. Not Joshua, not David, not Solomon. Even, even Abraham, when it comes to leadership. I mean, Moses is the one that's always referred to as the leader in the Old Testament children of Israel. And I believe he was a great leader because of this. When Jethro said, what are you doing? He didn't say, this worked so far. He said, that's a good idea. Man, I'm glad you told me that. See, you know, if you're gonna, you know how you're going to be a good parent? You know how you're going to be a good boss? You know how you're going to be a good leader? If you're open to have other people say, hey... Maybe I'll try this. And instead of you just being arrogant and saying, well, I'm going to do it this way. Moses said, I'll try it. And he went and did it. And it worked out great for him. And he's able to do more. And he went down in history as one of the greatest leaders that the world has ever known. Because he was willing to take advice. He was willing to listen and apply it. You want to know how you're going to become a good leader? When Pastor Maddox gets up here and says, you need more character and you need more faithfulness, you say, well, I'm, you know, you say, man, something I got to work on right there. That'll help you develop into a better leader. You say, uh, we're going to need it. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a lot of people dying and go to hell. You say, in the world, yeah, but in this community right here, there's a lot of people we can reach. And look, I don't know that I can do more than 30. <laughs> uh, praise God, hopefully I can. But if I can't, then what, are we just done? We're just going to sit around and look at each other till we're old? No, we got to develop leaders so that we can go out and lead others, win them to Christ, disciple them, bring them to church, baptize them, and let's go out and do something for the cause of Christ in this community. But we're not going to do it by ourselves. We're going to do it together when we come together, when we partner together, when we work together, and when we all carry that load and that burden. Just like Jethro was telling Moses there, you need help, Moses. You can't do this on your own. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. And Lord, I, I love Wednesday night Bible study. Because, I mean, this could be said of any church service. And I, I know it can be said of any church service. But I love Wednesday night Bible study because even more than any other service, no one can say, Pastor was just, he chose that sermon for me. Look, we were just in Exodus 18 last week. We were in Exodus 17. The week before that, Exodus 16. It's just what God had for us. But Lord, I, I believe we need to learn this. And especially now as we're moving into a new building. As we're moving into a new phase. I, now I believe Exodus 18 is exactly what we need to hear. We need to develop leaders. Faithful men. Faithful women. Consistent people. People we can count on. 
people, not that I can count on, but people that their converts can count on. Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. In your precious name, I pray. Amen.